0: And hello everybody, and welcome to the Padres Mission Podcast. My name is Fernando Mendez, joined by my other host, Andrew, my man. How you doing? I'm I'm doing really well. Having a great night tonight. Yeah. Uh, anything uh, you know going well specifically?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, things are going well in work, personal life. But I mean, what I'm really excited about is to get this episode recorded and. You know, talk about the Padres. It's like it makes the highlight of my week.
0: Yeah, right. And I mean, we're, I think, less, around 40-ish days now until Pitches and Catches Report. I, I, that sounds about right.
1: Yeah, that sounds, yeah, we're getting really close. Like, it's, it's almost time to start the calendar countdown.
0: I know, yeah, no, I I mean, I'm excited. I mean, I I just want baseball back in any kind of capacity. I don't care if it's just pitchers and catchers. I don't care if it's the World Series. I (laughs) I just want baseball. It's that time of year. I can only watch Angels in the Outfield and the Sandlot so many times.
1: Yeah, right? It's like you already get through those 20 times. It's like, what else are you going to do?
0: Yeah, right? I mean, quality films, you know. (laughs) I I don't think there's a baseball movie I dislike, except for maybe Air Bud. But... uh, (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'll second you on that one for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember the last I, – I, I know I've seen the Air Bud Baseball-like version, whatever that's called. But uh, – because, I mean, doesn't he play for the Angels against the Padres actually? Yeah, I think so actually. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I could very well be wrong, but I do know I, I'm pretty darn sure he plays for the angels, but I, I don't know. I could have sworn the part of been appearance also. Anyway, folks, thank you guys so much for joining us. I swear we're not going to talk about baseball movies the entire time, even though we probably could do an entire episode on that. Maybe that's something for next off season. Uh, I do want to go ahead and apologize <laughs> for uh, us taking a while to put out another episode uh, uh andrew and i have both been fairly busy at at work and i know andrew has been been drowning a little bit
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes i mean yeah i mean we're, we're gonna keep that monday schedule you know going forward but uh you know every once in a while life gets in the way so sorry about that guys
0: Yeah, absolutely. We both love our jobs, so it is what it is. You know what I mean? Sometimes work happens. I'm sure everyone understands that. Work happens. Life happens. Uh, Plus, it gave you guys an extra opportunity to listen to that Matt Antonelli interview, which, I mean, I'm still riding riding on Cloud9 with that interview. That was amazing. That was a great first interview to kick it off. We do have great things on the horizon. Uh, Andrew and I are planning to do uh, some kind of trip around the NL West, uh, around spring training time, we've reached out to a couple teams already. Uh, I've heard a response from one of them. We're currently working on getting the second team, but, uh, yeah, that'd be really cool. I mean, and perhaps if you guys like that, you being the fans, of course. We will uh, maybe expand to perhaps some other teams uh, for spring training to, you know, come in and talk about what they've done this offseason, what they project their team to do, all that fun stuff. Now, before we get into today's topics, let's go ahead and uh, do all of our, you know, air out the uh, the dirty laundry, as I like to call it, uh, and cover all the boring stuff. Uh, go ahead and reach out to us on uh, our email. If uh, you want to go ahead and give us some feedback, uh, that email is Podcast at gmail.com. That's going to be the best way to uh, let us know how we're doing, what can we do to improve the show, uh, what kind of topics would you like us to cover, all that fun stuff. That's also a great email if you want to go ahead and sponsor the show, Padres Mission Podcast at gmail.com uh we are still always looking for sponsors uh, i i need to feed my chick-fil-a addiction it's getting ridiculous i just i, I don't know what else to do at this point <laughs>
1: yeah yeah definitely uh, chick-fil-a that'll eat out the wallet
0: so if you guys are out there listening <laughs> you know the me... problem with chick-fil-a is their food is 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 really good but the portions are like too small so i feel like you know i'm still kind of hungry afterward i'm so kind of snacky i don't know
1: yeah that's how, that's how they get you they get you to come back for seconds <laughs> like
0: <laughs> gosh i guess i gotta come go back in line and order the eight piece chicken nuggets not the meal this time though not the meal
1: that's i mean that's just for on air but we we both know that he's getting the meal <laughs> <laughs> i guess
0: i get the meal twice folks it's 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 an issue <laughs> And even worse, when I get home, I'm hungry again because of the portion size, so I have to door dash it. It's just – it's a never-ending cycle, folks. Yeah,
1: but I mean you're stimulating the economy, so that's good. You're being a good American.
0: There you go. Yeah, how come no baseball stadium has a Chick-fil-A to my knowledge? I mean maybe uh, Centrust Park, Maybe. <laughs> if,
1: maybe. Yeah, let, let me see if I can pull that up real quick. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, mean, I, don't I guess.
0: In the Atlanta Falcons stated, right? Because wasn't that a big thing because of Super Bowl Sunday? They're like, oh, they're closed?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I guess These are
0: our values, guys. Like, we can't.
1: <laughs> yeah, that definitely doesn't go well with football. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no way.
0: No, but uh, they're open for concerts. Are they? Wait, well, I mean, that's, that was what they said. I mean, because people are like, why would you have a. You know, a Chick-fil-A in a uh, football stadium if most of the games are played on Sundays. And they're like, well, we're open for concerts and other things.
1: Okay, okay. Well, then, yeah, that, I guess that makes sense, right? They're, they're able to put aside their principles for events.
0: Well, it's funny because... Uh... I I know Tim Tebow was there uh, maybe like a week or two ago, like uh, for some kind of uh, Christian uh, – I don't know what it was, some kind of festival or you know a celebration like a mass or something. But uh, I, I think it was like on a Saturday. So, I mean, in theory, people could have been sitting there for some kind of Christian festival eating Chick-fil-A. I mean <laughs> –
1: That sounds like right up Chick-fil-A's alley, so <laughs> – <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is what the ceo had in mind for sure
1: yeah i mean if you had to ask me like like who would have a, a festival with chick-fil-a like my first answer would be tim tebow like i'd be like and would would even have to we'd even have to guess i just would like, guess tim tebow of course
0: tim <laughs> tebow and i mean you know maybe like uh i i, I don't know i i, I mean yeah I guess, tim tebow I, is probably the number one answer
1: he's got to be the face of like christian athletes right
0: uh yeah yeah no but i mean hey good for him you know there's certainly worse things to be the face of right i mean <laughs> yeah yeah so you got <laughs> shout out yeah. to ray rice yeah oh yeah oh my god <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that one there we'll leave that one there all right let's go <laughs> and talk about what our main topics are today they're not people getting hit on elevators oh i yeah. should be laughing at the moment <laughs>
1: uh, that's like the most brutal video i've ever seen he just was he just drag her out of the elevator too right after that was like Jesus.
0: He's still a <laughs> the afterward. Uh, that's the worst part. Like That's the part that's comical. It's not the fact that a woman got hurt. I do not condone domestic violence in any situation. That itself is not funny. I mean, I was furious when I saw that video. The fact that was hilarious was, okay, how does this guy, like, even have a chance of coming back into the league? You know, how does he become a free agent? How does he, you know, like, how does this stuff happen? Dude, I
1: don't, yeah, I mean... He, he never played another snap after that video finally came out. But didn't they – I mean, not to get off topic, but didn't they like kind of like cover up the video for a little bit and let him play for a while? And then the video got released and then he got released. Like it was – I
0: mean, it's just like – come on, come on. That, that's – yeah, but I mean that's that's a tangent we can get on with football. But I mean yeah. you know, I that with the sport, it's just maybe just kind of the way Roger Goodell handles his business. I love the sport of football, but – yeah, I mean Roger Goodell. Yeah, you uh, you got bigger things coming for you. All right, so <laughs> today's topics that we're gonna cover are going to be Hall of Fame voting. So you know, uh, obviously this is the time of year where we start to find out, uh, a you know who's on the ballot, which we kind of know ahead of time, and B, and most importantly, who's gonna get in the Hall of Fame. So Andrew and I are going to give three guys that we think should be getting into the Hall of Fame, either this year or in the near future. Um, I'm going to play a couple games here with my buddy Andrew. You guys are welcome to play along at home as well. And last but not least, we are going to cover the 2010 All-Decade Team. I know we just started a brand-new decade, but uh, we're going to go ahead and, uh, you know, back a little bit cover who the best Potter is overall in each position work from 2010 to 2019 um and yeah i mean andrew do you have anything to add on any of those
1: uh yeah yeah I mean, i'm excited to to play that game to see what kind of questions you got for me but uh as far as like the 2010 to 2019 i, I think we have a pretty good list we tried to to not just choose people that are like tops on wins above replacement because you could just easily look that up for yourself. So we tried to c- come up with like a good list of people that we thought were like the most relevant to the team who are maybe had the best season or like the best peak. So I think you guys will like the list.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean some of those might actually surprise you. I don't know if you've gone to do any kind of diving, but I uh, did look at other people's lists as well and uh, most of them were completely different than ours actually.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I was looking at some lists, too. So, I I think we we came up with a good group of guys. I mean, good is a relative term once you'll see the list, but...
0: All right, guys. We are going to dive into all that up next with the Padres Mission Podcast. Why do we call it the Padres Mission Podcast? Well, the home of any Padre is a mission. And this right here is your mission for San Diego Padres events hot takes and much much more we also cover some pretty fun topics now right now we are going to cover hall of fame voting i know this isn't directly covering the san diego padres but above all andrew and i and all of you listeners we're baseball fans so let's cover one of the most i mean it is the most prestigious honor in the game oh,
1: so. yeah, totally. yeah definitely i mean once we get into like the last decade of the Padres, you'll see why the Hall of Fame voting at this point in time isn't really relevant to the Padres. But uh, I, I think you know, once we get over these names and things like that, it will bring back some nostalgia, and you'll you know really get a good idea of like what this class represents. I mean, outside of like you know the likes of Derek Jeter and Larry Walker, which we'll get into in a second. I, you yeah. know, I, I think yeah, I think you guys will really enjoy this.
0: All right, um, so well we're gonna start. Um, we're going to let Andrew go first. He's going to name his three guys, and then afterward, I'll name my three guys. Once we've put our guys out on the table, uh, then I'll let uh, Andrew just briefly talk, maybe like a minute, about each of the uh, three candidates that he picked, a brief explanation as to why he picked those, and then I will do the same. So, Andrew, go ahead and name the three guys that you picked.
1: All right, so the three guys that I picked... and. Uh, I mean, as we'll get into, we, we wanted to make sure that we weren't picking guys that are definitely going to get into the Hall of Fame. And if you look at the Hall of Fame ballot tracker right now, the first two names that we made off limits are Derek Jeter, who's currently at 100 percent of the ballot, and Larry Walker, who looks like he'll get in, who's currently at 85 percent of the ballots.
0: Now, so, do you think that Derek Jeter will maintain that 100 once all the you know, ballots are in? Or do you think there's going to be those one or two guys who are like, nah, he's already going to get it. Let me give my vote to somebody else who, you know, might need it?
1: Yeah, that's a good question because, I mean, what, up until last year with Mariano Rivera, there had never been a unanimous uh, choice for the Hall of Fame. So now that 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 has kind of been broken, I, I think Derek Jeter's going to be the second unanimous Hall of Famer. I think Ugh, both Yankees. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, honestly, I think it should have been, you know, Derek Jeter first besides Mariano Rivera. I mean, Mariano Rivera is the greatest closer of all time. And I'm saying that as a Padre fan and who got Guess. the last hopping.
0: Gasp! <laughs> <Guess. laughs>
1: yeah, but I mean, especially like with what Derek Jeter represented to baseball, he was kind of like the face of like the anti-steroid. When you had Barry Bonds going out there hitting 73 home runs, Derek Jeter was always the guy that just did everything right, didn't have any stories in the tabloids, didn't get caught up with steroids. So I think there's going to be a big push amongst the writers to kind of make him the second unanimous Hall of Famer. And, uh, you know, with that being said, let me uh, get into my top three picks before we get, you know, too off topic. So (laughs) my my three guys are uh, Andrew Jones, you know, center fielder for the Atlanta Braves. Todd Helton, lifelong, uh, spent his entire career as the first baseman for the Rockies. And Scott Rowland, who was, you know, the great hitting third baseman with elite defense.
0: Okay, you know, that was pretty good. I mean, uh, wasn't uh, Andrew Jones part of like the big three Joneses that the Braves had at that time?
1: Yeah, right. I th- I mean, yeah, I guess I'm kind of drawing who was the third Jones. I think I remember Chipper Jones or mm-hmm. Andrew Jones.
0: Was it Adam Jones? Not obviously Adam Jones from the Orioles, but wasn't it another Adam Jones? I don't know. I mean, there could have been another Jones on that team. I just can't remember. I, I could have sworn there was three because I, I I could have sworn. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You
1: no, know, they had the, they, they have the three-headed monster in uh, Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, and uh, John Schmoltz. So maybe that's where the three's coming from.
0: Maybe. Maybe. Um No, those are three very, very good picks. And I'm sure you're going to have great arguments for all of them. Now, I, too, had Scott Rowland, which, I mean, we're both going to get to. I mean, I I feel like, you know, he's definitely going to get in at some point, whether it's this year or not. Now, the other two I had that might surprise people are Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Uh, Before we get into the reason why I picked those three guys, um, Andrew, uh, go ahead and start off and maybe save Scott Rowland three. for the uh you know, for your third pick, so you know, because we have that in common. So go ahead and elaborate on the other two guys you picked.
1: All right, I'm gonna start off with Andrew Jones, and Andrew Jones was one of the the greatest fielding center fielders of all time, at least during his peak. So like, he kind of, what's interesting about Andrew Jones is that his career really started off strong. He came into the league as a 19 year old. Uh, by the time he was 20 he was a you know a finalist for rookie of the year and then you know he was with that great braves team from age 21 till about you know age 29 where he had one of the best peaks of any center fielder almost of all time i think he won something like nine ten straight gold gloves he had a 50 home run season he had a peak of where uh he was averaging I think it was six wins above replacement for an eight-year period. He had 50 wins above replacement over eight years. That's amazing. What's unfortunate about Andrew Jones is that once he went to the Dodgers at age 31, he kind of fell off a cliff. So while he had a great beginning to his career, he didn't really get those secondary counting numbers and that sustained production that most Hall Hall of Fame voters want. But if you're talking like elite center fielders who had a great peak, Andrew Jones is right up there, and I, I think if you're gonna make a case for Andrew Jones, you got to look at players like Ralph Kiner, who was a he was a league leader in home runs, uh, I believe, for the Mets in the 50s, where he led the league in home runs like I think like six out of eight years, and it, it was just an unbelievable streak of productivity. And so, if I'm gonna make a comp for Andrew Jones, I would say like Ralph Kiner, and just say you know to the voters. Disregard the last you know four or five years of Andrew Jones' career and just look at how dominant he was during his prime. And then uh, secondary, I want to go to Todd Helton, who's um, 60 wins above replacement for his career. He had a peak, um, I think it was a six-year peak, of something like where he was averaging, I think, six wins above replacement. Yeah, 6.1 wins above replacement for seven years. So he definitely had that, like, that sustained peak, and then he ended up his career with a 953 OPS, a 316 lifetime batting average. And, of course, a lot of the Hall of Fame voters in the public are going to say, well, yeah, he played at Coors Field. But if you look at, you know, Todd Helton as a Coors Field product, you also have to look at his, like, OPS Plus, which is adjusted for your park. And for his entire career, he was a 33% above average player. So, I have to say, it wasn't always a course field effect, and you can't really dock a guy for being drafted by a team and him play his entire career with a team and hold it against him. It's not like he had much of a choice outside of free agency. So, I, I definitely think that voters should give Todd Helton a, a longer look, and I, I think eventually he'll make it in. And then my third pick, which was also your pick, is uh, Scott Rowland. And Scott Rowland was one of the best. Uh, defensive third baseman of all time. He had numerous Gold gloves. His advanced metrics for defense back it up. He had an MVP award. He won a world series with the Cardinals. He had uh, actually, he didn't have an MVP award, but he had a a close to MVP type season with the Cardinals. And I think that was in uh, 2004 where he was like nine wins of a replacement. He had a thousand OPS. And unfortunately that was the Cardinals team that went and got dominated by the Red Sox. But uh, yeah, I, I you know I think Scott Rowland eventually is going to make it in as well.
0: Perfect. No, uh, thank you for that. I mean, very solid arguments uh, for all three of those guys. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and piggyback a little bit on uh, Scott Rowland. Uh, yeah, I mean Scott Rowland was just incredible. I mean to watch with eight uh, a- gold gloves.
1: Yeah, yeah uh, that's right.
0: Yep, seven time All Star, Rookie of the Year. He did win a World Series in 2006. I believe that was his only World Series.
1: Yeah, that's uh, what the, the Cardinals, right?
0: Yep. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was basically, I mean, one of the biggest pieces of that team. I mean, what him and uh, Pujols. Yeah,
1: that was a that was an interesting team. Like, uh, it was him. There was Pujols. They had uh, Jim Edmonds in center field, who's doing great. I think they even had uh, Reggie Sanders at the end of his career.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know what. What he meant to that team in specific was great. Um, But, um, I mean, one of the biggest things was just the impact he had overall in his career. I mean, what, 70.2 awards, what I have here. Yeah, definitely. A 281 batting average. I mean, you know, he was always just – he was always a more than above average player. You know, he, he carried his weight, and truly what he did with the glove was just amazing. That's bis- basically the biggest argument uh, that I can make for him. You know, his, his glove was, I think, what differentiated him. Is it, going to make him a Hall of Famer. Um, now, the other two that I mentioned were Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Now, Andrew and I were talking a little bit off-air before we started recording about, um, you know, the first teardrop to fall. Now, by that, I mean, you know, who was going to be the first guy who had any kind of, you know, asterisk next to the name um, to, you know, oh, do yeah. anything, you know, to, to make the Hall of Fame? Were you going to say something?
1: Oh, no, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Don't let me get you off track.
0: <laughs> no, uh, what got me off track is some kind of pop-up ad that came up on my phone. on my like kind of exit it out. So I can look at what I was going to look at. But, uh, yeah. I mean, Barry Bonds, say what you want. I mean, he is the all-time home run hitter, asterisk or not. You know, it's very similar to, you know, uh, Pete Rose being the hit king. I mean, that's another guy who should be in the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, I don't think any baseball fan will argue that, you know. Should he be in the man- – you know, Hall of Fame as a manager? Definitely not. But, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Okay he's the hit king, best hitter of all time. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds, best home run hitter of all time. Like I said, I get it. There's an asterisk next to his name. But his war, 162, you know, war is insane. Seven-time MVP is insane. Ho- uh, all-time home run leader. And it, Andrew, do you know off the top of your head how many all-time home runs he has? Uh,
1: what is it? Uh, 763, I think. 762. Close. Uh,
0: 762. <laughs> and then a career batting average of 298. Anytime you can be anywhere near the 300s, either above or you know flirting with those 300s like he is for his career, that has to count for something as well. 14-time All-Star, A-Time Gold Glove uh, Award winner. Yes, trust me, I remember the old sluggish Barry Bonds as well. But the guy did used to be really fast. The guy did used to be... You know, uh, he used to be amazing with his glove. You know, he got older and things changed, but different yeah. times. Yeah,
1: I mean, even even with the steroids, right? Like how many guys were doing steroids at that time? Almost everyone in baseball. If you look yeah. at the the Balco case, uh, that was the that was the the big breakthrough, right? Where they they found all these guys were doing steroids. It started the Mitchell investigation. Um, or the was that Mitchell the one report?
0: that uh, A Rod got?
1: Yeah, got caught, caught up on with. Was that yeah. the second time? Yeah, it, or the first time, right? And then uh, the second, or that's where he said he bought the steroids from Miami, and his cousin was injecting him. Okay. But, so, like, I mean, even look at, like, Barry Bonds. Like, yeah, so he was taking steroids, but almost everyone was at that time, and he was the best at it. I mean, from his age 36 to 42 season, he had a 532 on base percentage. Uh, In his 30s, it was a 482. Like, that, that's insane. He broke baseball. Like, he, he literally <laughs> just, like, broke He's it. a cheat code. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like played MLB The Show with, like, stats where you, like, turn everyone's, like, numbers all the way up. Yeah, you play on beginner mode. <laughs> yeah, that's how I play all my games. I want to have those very Bond stats.
0: Yeah, basically. Um, now, the third guy... Is Barry, or Barry Bonds. We were talking yeah. about Barry Bonds. Roger Clemens. Now, Roger Clemens is another guy who has an asterisk next to his name. Now, I'm not as sold on Roger Clemens as I am on Barry Bonds. I think Barry Bonds probably gets in before Roger Clemens, in my opinion. But I mean, Roger Clemens also had some very, very impressive career numbers. He had a war of 139. That's crazy to you know to single handedly win that many games for your team. Yeah, that's that's uh I mean yeah that's there's not much else
1: to say right? Isn't that like eighth all time in wins above replacement?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's something like that you know and it's just like you know, this guy meant that much to his team. I mean you know throughout the course of a career that's crazy. There's guys who you know career war is you know ten and they played you know twenty years. You oh know? yeah. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, you could you can cut Roger and Roger Clemens in half, and if he didn't take steroids, you'd have two Hall of Famers. Like that's how yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. I mean his uh, uh, career record: three hundred fifty four wins, one hundred eighty four losses, and a career ERA of three point one two. Seven times Cy Young, two time Triple Crown award winner. I mean i I think Roger Clemens will also get in. Um, do you realistically see both of these guys getting in at some point, just one of them? Who do you think is going to go in first, Andrew? I want your opinion.
1: I mean, that's a tough one. I think it will be Barry Bonds first, but I wouldn't be surprised if they both get in the same year, whenever that seal breaks.
0: Really? Okay. And, I mean, after that, then it really just, you know, everything just kind of out the window as far as, you know, like, oh, you know, asterisks and stuff. You know, it won't matter anymore if you have a – and yeah, steroids.
1: yeah I, th- I think like what I'm, I'm hearing a lot of like the comments going on amongst like writers and fans is now that Bud Selig got elected by the Veterans Committee and he's in the Hall of Fame and he kind of looked the other way and knew the whole steroid thing was going on and used it to benefit baseball. Well, why does the commissioner of baseball at that time get to be in when the players that brought the game back can't be in? And that's an interesting argument. But I, I'd also like to to point out a counter argument to that, which is that the Veterans Committee, which is a, a group of like 16 guys, you got people like Joe Torrey, Joe Morgan in there, is way different than the Baseball Writers of America voting in people with what they're like 370 something ballots, it might be more now, having to come up with uh, 75% of the vote. It's a it's a different process. So just Buzz Sealing being elected by the Veterans Committee, or the, the, maybe it's a special committee that does it for commissioners is a way different process than the baseball writers. So it's not exactly like a one-to-one ratio, but I definitely see the argument of people saying, well, if Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame and he's totally benefited off of the, the steroids, you know, bringing life back into baseball, then why shouldn't the players that put baseball on its back and drove its new popularities after the strike in 1994, why can't they be in the Hall of Fame? I see that argument.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do as well. Now, um, with Clemens and Bonds, I mean, they've kind of steadily been climbing since 2014 when uh, uh, they both got about 35%. Uh, Bonds actually got 34.7 that year. Clemens got 35.4. So they're both in the same basic ballpark. And they kind of both always have been. So from 2014 when we had those numbers to 2019 when uh, Bonds had 59.1 and Clemens had 59.5, They've, you know, slowly been climbing. Now, I do think that when they do finally get in, it'll be a drastic jump. I, I want to say this year they'll probably be hovering about 65 to 67%. That's what I'm going to guess.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to put you – I'm going to say that's pretty close. Like if, if I – yeah, it's got to be around there. That's, yeah. that's my guess as well.
0: And I think – either next year or 2021 will be the year where people are fighting. You know, it's probably going to be that year when there's just nobody else. That's really yeah. what it's going to come down to. I mean, who's eligible next year. Do you know like uh, any obvious names? Uh, No, not off the top of my head.
1: I'll bring that up real quick, but I, I want to double back on to a point that we brought up. We kind of got away from. Yeah. That was uh the seal being broken for people that have been accused of taking steroids that were never really proven to have taken them. Like, let's keep in mind that while Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds were both involved in uh, legal issues involving steroid use, they never actually tested positive and were like banned from baseball or had any type of suspension. It was always accusations. And another player who's actually publicly been accused of taking steroids is already in the Hall of Fame. And that's Yvonne Rodriguez, who was accused by Jose Canseco Who Conseco had said that he personally injected with steroids when he was on the Rangers. So, I mean, in my mind, the seal of of people that are accused of being taking steroids
0: has already been broken. broken. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's I mean that's a very very valid point. I mean that's a you know that's a, a story that is true. So yeah, I mean you know at this point this seal's already been broken. So maybe that's something that the writers have to take into account as well. I mean, yeah. you said that uh, as of right now, uh, Barry Bonds was hovering just over the line, right?
1: Yeah, he's just over the line right now. He's uh, currently at 76.2% of the public ballots. And that, keep in mind, the public ballots last year had him, for the most part, just above the line. And then towards the end, I think he dipped down about 3 or 4% lower. But... it it looks like that a lot of the people that don't want to vote Barry Bonds and don't publicly release their ballots. I don't know if that's because they're, they might be old. (laughs) Yeah. Or or just because they're the old guys from the, the old guard of writers, you know, maybe they're like in their seventies, they don't use social media as much. They're not as inclined to actually put their ballot out publicly.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it'll be interesting. It really will be interesting, but personally, (laughs) I believe both these guys get in, maybe not this year, but in the next Three years, I think, these guys get in. Yeah, and and that's and not... granted, they say. are running out of time, too, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, once we get into the... Yeah, they're get, they're, they're going to run out of their, their year limit. And, you know, and one last point is... If there are people that are in the Hall of Fame that have already taken steroids, if the commissioner of baseball that was in charge of baseball during the steroid crisis is in the Hall of Fame, regardless of the way he got in, if, ben- if baseball benefited... From this era, if it, I mean, people look at it as a black mark, but it saved it from the 1994 strike. People were walking away from the game. And the steroids that these guys were taking, maybe while cheating it was, it, it brought the sport back from the dead. It, it brought life back into the game. That 1998 race between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. People that, loved it. Yeah, and, and those are two more guys. I mean, Sammy Sosa is, like, way down below 18%. He's another yeah. guy that should get in. I, I uh, You think he will get in? No. I, oh, okay. I think, I think it will be – I don't think he'll get in at all. Mark McGuire yeah. is off the ballot, but yeah. I think they should get in. If Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens get in, those two guys should get in with the Veterans Committee in, like, 20 years or so whenever they're eligible.
0: Yeah, perhaps. All right. Uh, is there anything else uh, you want to – Go ahead and uh, cover on this topic before we uh, move on.
1: No, I I mean, I can keep rambling for a couple hours if you wanted me to. I think (laughs) we should just move on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I, I think we both can do that. That's why we have a show. Um, All right, so enough about the Hall of Fame. Uh, Always an exciting time of year, so it'll be really interesting to see when they release um, the official ballots, which is uh, the 22nd? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It'll be my
0: birthday, so. Yeah,
1: that's right. It's on your birthday. That's what we discussed.
0: Yeah, yeah, so so it was easier for me to remember. All right, so I said we were going to play a couple games with you, Andrew, so we're going to go ahead and do that right now. All right. So the first game we're going to play, maybe we can play this every so often, name this Obscure Padre. Now, I did get this from another podcast. Actually, I think it was Locked on Dodgers. I was listening to this like months ago after uh, they lost in the uh, playoff game. I kind of wanted to hear a podcast and see, you know, their side of it. So uh, they did this. So, uh, once again, the game is named that Obscure Padre. Obviously, when they play it, it's named that Obscure Dodger. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and give you the stats of this particular player. And you have to try to guess who it is. Okay? All right. Simple enough. Do it. All right. So, this guy did play on the San Diego Padres for one season. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite. Um, he played in 78 games. Had 111 plate appearances, 99 at-bats, drove in 14 runs, <laughs> very, very successful, got 23 hits, All right. uh, and let me see, make sure, 6 home runs. And he had a batting average of .232 with an on-base percentage of .306 can uh, i can i will give you a second <laughs> and then i can give you one more hint but let me know if you need me to repeat any of those specific stats all right so he
1: had a 232 batting average 99 at bats uh yeah on base percentage slightly over 300 i think sounds like you're describing like every second baseman the podgers have ever had
0: <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, he was only on the he was Carlos Santi was on the team longer than a year. But.
1: One year. Uh. One year.
0: I'm gonna guess Anthony Rizzo. Okay. Do you? It's not Anthony Rizzo. So do you want me no. to give you uh, one hint? Yeah, give me a hint. Yeah, if you got the it. The guy is very well known as a bench bat. So he's a pinch hitter specifically, but he's very very well known over his career as a uh,
1: pitch hitter um all right so i'm gonna guess uh, dave madigan
0: all right i'll give you the answer it was matt stairs
1: oh that's good yeah i mean because i know dave madigan played with the was a great pitch hitter for like a, the dodgers for a while and then he played like a year with the podgers
0: okay you know it was matt stairs i was gonna tell you that uh, has the most home runs uh of all time as a pinch hitter, oh, uh, I, I would have got that. Yeah, okay, that yeah I was going to say I thought that would have been big of a hit. Uh, <laughs> my other thing was going to say uh, 08 World Series champion. That might have also been a big hit. Yeah, that would have given it to me too. So I mean, not, not a lot of big guys, not, not a lot of guys are only known, uh, you know, for uh, hitting dingers as a pinch hitter. So
1: yeah, if you said uh, beer league body,
0: I would have got that too. <laughs> so. Okay, so. Let's play one more game. So this one is should he be a Hall of Famer? So this is kind of a two – actually, you know what? I'll, I'll let that other part out until yeah. afterward because I feel like that might also be a big giveaway. So <clears throat> this man was an MVP, a 10-time All-Star, and a World Series champion. He had a career war of 38.1, had 2,599 hits, 272 home runs, and a batting average of 294. Should this man be a Hall of Famer?
1: I know exactly who you're talking about. You're talking about Steve Garvey.
0: I am talking about Steve Garvey. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, he so, was on to get in uh, with the Veterans Committee this year, and it just didn't happen.
1: Yeah, right? Uh, you know, that's, that's an interesting one. I I feel like wins above replacement for people in Garvey's era is a uh, a bit overstated in its importance because if you a lot of that is uh, taking into account just their offensive profile and their guesstimating on their defense. So if you're looking at it, Garvey was a a great fielding first baseman by all reports of the scouts at the time, and the stats I mean the stats that they used to measure their defensive ability is literally just taking the baseball score sheet and guesstimating on whether or not they're making good plays. So all the defensive stats for like a, in the past are useless. In my opinion, They just you can't use them, got to throw them out. And his wins above replacement is completely reduced based off of his defensive uh, hit that he took just based on the method that they're using to get those stats. I, I think if, were to actually have advanced defensive stats that Garvey would actually have a huge advantage because the only reason he played first base was because he was a lefty and couldn't play any other position really in the infield. But he could have been, he would have been like Keith Hernandez, been a great second baseman, third baseman,
0: shortstop. And they could have put him a shortstop, right? Yeah.
1: Garvey,
0: I mean, <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, one of the things that always upset me is Steve Garvey being in the Padres Hall of Fame. Why? I, mean, I get it. Actually, biggest, probably the we, biggest home run in Potter's history. Can we, can we cut that
1: whole part? I just said he was a left hander, and I know he's a right hander. I don't know why I just say he's a lefty. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, you know, let's not even leave that in. Let's let people just hear that I messed that up because <laughs> he was definitely a right-handed guy. Uh, who I don't know. I, I think I was thinking of Keith uh, Hernandez in my head, like for whatever. Even though I knew I was talking about Steve Carvey. this is a long time yeah. ago. <laughs> No, no, yeah. you're, fine. you're fine. Yeah, so, no. Uh, yeah, because he was a third baseman, and he played first base. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Yep. first base and third
1: base. Yeah, so, yeah, Steve Garvey, right-handed batter, not at that. Um, I don't know. I, I think uh, I've, I've had this debate with my dad a lot, actually. He's a huge Steve Garvey fan. And About Steve Garvey being
0: in the Potters yeah. Hall of Fame?
1: No, it's just being in the Hall of Fame in general. He thinks he oh. should be in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't think he should. I think uh, 775 OPS as a third baseman, first baseman, with a 117 OPS plus uh, only being 17% above league average at offensive preview and positions doesn't warrant you being in the Hall of Fame. He had some great counting stats. He stayed in the league a long time. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't see it. I think he's the Hall of Very Good. Like, he's the definition of a guy that was a very good player. Yeah, that, just yeah,
0: n- not the very best player.
1: But yeah, I mean, he's I I don't know if you know this about him, but the reason that he probably didn't get in originally was because of his public affairs that he got caught up with. He was kind of like the all-American guy uh, that everyone thought was like this pitch, you know, picture-perfect person like Jeter, and then it he had some very public uh, affairs come out and a very public divorce that really tarnished
0: his reputation. Uh, no, no, I was uh, completely.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Now. Okay,
0: there you go. I was like, "What the heck was happening in <laughs> Uh No, yeah, no, I was, I was completely unaware about anything that he had going on in his personal life that affected, uh, you know, his ability to get in the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, that was really what drove him down. He and then he was like, I think he was fighting with the writers and fighting with different Hall of Fame voters, and he just, yeah, it was a no-win situation for him.
0: Yeah, sounds like it. Um, okay. All right. Well, I mean, there you go. Hopefully you, uh, listeners enjoy those games as much as Andrew enjoyed being put on the spot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah. As soon as you said 2,599 hits, I was like, I think Garvey's the only one with that many hits.
0: Yeah, right. (laughs) So yeah, there you go. If uh, Andrew, if you ever want to play any of those with me, you're always more than welcome to try to throw any of those my way. Uh, yeah, oh, I was yeah. hoping I was gonna get you with Matt Stairs as far as obscure Padres. I was like, oh, no, does you get any more obscure than Matt Stairs?
1: You got me. And I, when, you, when you said that, I was like, man, I have to, I have to think of a pitch hitter for one season over the last 50 years. So I, I had like, I had like three guys in my head. It was actually Matt Stairs. Um, I mean, the one you said one. One season, I was thinking uh, maybe some guys that went on to have great careers with uh, other teams that were there for one year. That's why I said Rizzo. And then, because uh, I know he had a really bad offensive season, and then I was thinking of Dave Madigan, who was I don't know I don't know if you remember him at all, but he was considered one no, of the greatest, like he, he was considered one of the greatest pitch hitters of all time at the time. Okay,
0: okay well, I mean. There you go. There you there you have it. I mean, at least the thought process was there. At least you did think about Matt Stairs.
1: Yeah, I definitely did. I thought he had a better season with us, so that's
0: quite what <laughs> no, I ruled him out. No, definitely not. But he did happen to go or uh, to be on the only Padres team of the 2010s. I keep wanting to say this decade, but it's not this decade anymore. Um, the only uh, Padres team that had a winning record yeah so, uh with that being said i think that's the perfect segue now uh we did start thinking about this uh prior to the matt antonelli interview uh we just didn't get a chance to record it and put it out until uh, now the start of a new decade but i still think that we're still fresh enough into it where we can go ahead and talk about the 2010s uh and try to cover and try to come up with the best Ultimate fantasy Padres team from that decade. I mean, that makes sense, right?
1: Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. I mean, cool. we're, yeah, we're only 10 days into the decade, too. So, yeah. There you go. It, yeah,
0: 10, 10 days 10. after the 2010s. Yeah,
1: right. You had 3,600 days in the last decade. You can wait 10 days for our top 10 list.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So... Uh, one of the biggest things that uh, Andrew and I realized when we were trying to come up with this list is how depressing this truly was. I mean, oh, my gosh. I knew it was a bad decade, but I didn't know it was a bad decade until we really started diving into these numbers. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. and I, You know what?
1: I'm going to go out on a limb and say if they didn't have that winning season... It might have been the worst decade of any team in the history, of baseball. <laughs> like, look at, like once we, go, once we go over this list, like, I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, but Headley had the highest wins of above replacement for the decade for any Padres player at 17. That, yeah, that that's it. I mean, if a guy put, if you had a guy play 10 seasons, he'd only have to average 1.7 and be 10 wins below average for the decade and he would still have higher than the highest Padre for wins above replacement.
0: That's insane. It's it's rough. It's rough. So uh, with that being said, Andrew, uh, do you want to go ahead and name uh, the roster that we came up with, and then we'll go position by position? Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah, so in right field, we have Will Venable. In center field, we have Cameron Mabin. In left field, we have Justin Upton. And at third base, we're going to go with Chase Headley. At shortstop, we're going to go with Tatis. At second base, we're going to go with Jed Jericho. Uh, At first base, we're going to go with Adrian Gonzalez. For our super utility player, we're going to go with Slarday. For our catcher, we're going to go with Rene Rivera. And then for our starting five pitchers, we're going to go with Matt Latos, Chris Paddock, Clayton Richard, Tyson Ross, and Ian Kennedy. And then for our three relief pitchers, we're going to go with Heath Bell, Luke Gregerson, and Kirby Yates.
0: All right. There you have it. So uh, I can't stress enough how hard it was to come up with some of those guys. I mean, some of those positions were just black holes for a solid 10 years.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And we'll hit upon those positions more. And really, really highlight how bad they were.
0: So, <laughs> I don't think sorry. we can truly highlight how bad they were. I mean, we could try, but we don't have all night.
1: So Yeah. And let's keep in mind, so if we're, if we're going to talk about, like, before we get into this, we didn't just go with, like, the highest wins above replacement for each position. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we, we kind of wanted to do a mix of either players that had maybe a shorter career with the Padres in the decade and then had a higher peak or players like uh, Tatis, who have, like, a huge impact on organization. And then there's some positions, like second base, as we'll get into, where there were no good choices, and we just had to pick someone.
0: I mean, the outfield was kind of like that, too. I mean, catcher was basically like that. You know, (laughs) most of it was just like, ah, well, this guy had two good years. So I mean,
1: yeah. If the if the, like you
0: said, aside I mean, from Chase Headley, nobody really ran away with the position, and you know,
1: yeah,
0: the, uh, maybe Late Latos.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe. Let's uh. <laughs> all right, guys. Let's just um.
0: Let, let's get into let, Let's get into the poop show, huh? All right. Yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and start uh with catcher. So we decided to go with Rene Rivera. Now, uh, Rene Rivera only played one year as a Padre, but uh, hey, lo and behold, that's all he needed to yeah. uh, get the uh, to, yeah. to get the position uh, fairly comfortably, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, so the great thing about Rene Rivera is that while his he played 126 games with the Padres, hit 252 with the 310 on base, uh, four turn, 413 slugging, 723 OPS, decent offensive stats for a catcher. He was about 8% above league league average. But he was dominant with pitch framing. So dominant, in fact, that for his season with the Padres, he was 5.2 wins above replacement. If you look at the fan graphs, wins above replacement. He ran away with the most strikes above average of any other catcher in baseball, which really propelled him to having those numbers. So while we could have gone with uh, Austin Hedges, we could have gone with uh, uh, Hundley, we wanted to go with a player that had just an actual dominant season at catcher. So while Rivera had a short career, there was no other catcher that showed the ability to put up a season like Rivera did.
0: Yeah, no, I mean he was great for the like one and a half years he was a Padre. I mean it yeah. was like a year and some change. I don't, I don't even think he played half a a year.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a year and some change. So played about, you know, not even a full season worth of games for the Padres.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean overall, I mean just in that short period of time, I mean he he definitely earned the position. I mean some other honorable mentions. I mean you said uh uh Austin hedges, uh what Nick Hundley could have been an honorable mention. Uh, was Henry Blanco this decade?
1: Yeah, he might I think he was the backup with Hundley, right? For a little
0: bit. Yeah, perhaps. But I mean that just kind of let you know that I mean catcher has been I mean a, a thorn of the Padres side for quite a while. And, I mean, even with Austin Hedges right now, Austin Hedges is arguably the best defensive catcher in the game. It's just, you know, offensively speaking, uh, you know, they've been lacking this entire past decade. So, by the way, bear with us if we accidentally call it this decade. You know, we're we're 10 days in, so.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Cut us some slack here.
1: Yeah, I'm sure the I'm sure the listeners at home are also have an issue with it in their life. Yeah, they're <laughs>
0: 2017 on the top of their papers. Yeah,
1: right, yeah, yeah they're, they're still three years behind. Yeah,
0: yeah right. it's, 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 I, I still say I'm 18 when people ask, and it's not, it's just like a reflex. Like, how old are you? <laughs>
1: yeah, Fernando's uh, actually 45. I'm
0: just kidding. <laughs> <Benjamin>. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, move on to first base. Now, uh, first base is going to be Adrian Gonzalez. Now, I know what you're thinking. But but, but Adrian Gonzalez uh, was only on the team in 2010 and afterward got traded. Yes, I understand that. But that lets you know everything you need to know right there. That was yeah. the only thing he needed to make this list comfortably, man. I mean, his competition is a... Uh, you know, fairly lackluster bunch. I mean, Eric Osmer, Yonder Alonso, Anthony Rizzo did have a solid season during this decade, but I mean, not for the
1: Padres, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he. <laughs> when he hit like one forty with the Padres. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I get. I guess we could have chosen Will Myers for his season at first base, but. He, I'm only half a season. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but.
0: In reality, I mean, I mean, half a good season because I haven't wrapped up All Star game. I don't know what happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, he kind of fell off the map. And, and, and Gonzalez had a great year with the Padres. He hit 298, had a 393 on base, a 5'11 slugging, 904 OPS, hit 52% above league average, was worth 4.4 wins above replacement. He was by far the best quality first baseman the Padres had in the decade. And I, in my mind, and I think in your mind as well, he, he deserves to have that spot.
0: Yeah, I mean, arguably one of the best Padres to ever play first base.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And another candidate like Garvey in the Hall, very good. Like They sh- they should make another Hall of Fame, but just call it that <laughs> and get-, get all these guys in there.
0: Well, I mean, if the Hall of Fame isn't like Cooperstown, New York, which is already not like, you know, a, a world-class town, where would this one be?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, what would be a good place? Uh, I don't know, Tulsa, Oklahoma? God. Just somewhere Midwest.
0: Somewhere in Alaska?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's behind a Circle K somewhere.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> too soon, too soon. I just got on work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So, uh, second base. All right, do you have anything else you want to say about first base? Did you Gonzalez or in that position?
1: No, there's not much to say about Padres first placements in the decade.
0: Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> we picked Adrian Gonzalez for Cradle. Not, not a knock on Adrian. He was great. But I'm just saying, you know, it was only a year. If we were talking about the previous decade from 2000 to 2009, then, yeah, by all means. But, oh, yeah. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and move on. Jed Jerko. Now, Jed Jerko, um, I mean, he's still currently playing. Uh, well, not at the moment, obviously. He's a free agent, right?
1: Yeah, just yeah, got he's... done with the, uh, with the Dodgers, right? And was on the Cardinals
0: yeah. just before that. Oh, yeah. So, he's still an active player, I should say. Now, uh, he made this list because, uh, I mean, he had a solid uh, three years, you know, that were fairly good, but it was really his rookie season that set him apart.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think with his $35 million extension, he kind of ushered in an era of new Padres spending. At the time, it was the second biggest contract the Padres had ever given. We didn't have a lot to go off here. So, if you are we, if are looking at wins above replacement, I know we said we didn't just pick leaders on that. He was the leader at 2.2 for the whole decade for the second baseman. That's how that's how bad the Padres were. He was actually tied oh. Oh. with Ryan <laughs> w- with Ryan Schimpf in his 195 batting average. So King. Yeah,
0: okay.
1: Yep, there we go. I mean, yeah. So I mean, I I picked Ryan Schimpf as my honorable mention because he was there for two seasons and put up the the same productivity as Jericho it's impressive that Ryan should hit 195 with the Padres, but also had an 809 OPS. Which
0: yeah, is, no, it's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, but, hey, I mean, you, you, you got to hand it to him, you know? I mean, even in that very small sample size, because, I mean, he wasn't around long. No. So, I mean, yeah, he <laughs> –
1: yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. When your honorable mentions the guy's hitting 195, <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not a good position, folks. It's not – it's not a position of strength. Uh,
0: once again, I mean, just I'm just going to keep on blaming just the overall team of the decade. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. Like,
1: uh. Yeah, I mean, we're not joking. I mean, I'm not joking when I say this could have been the worst decade of any team in, in baseball history. I mean, that, I mean, you have a 10-year stretch. And your mean, best, perhaps your best even in basement. sports.
0: I mean, you can probably count on two hands how many winning months they had over that decade.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I That's... It's, it's bad. <laughs> it's just bad.
0: So yeah, let's absolutely.
1: let's move off of uh, second base before we start thinking about suicide, and uh, let's go to let's go to shortstop.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, shortstop was another position that was uh, real fun. So uh, we had to truly yeah. think who the best shortstop was, uh, and I mean, it was basically between what like Alexi Amarista, Salarte, who wasn't really a shortstop, but you know did occasionally dabble there and uh tatis and ultimately i think it was andrew who was kind of like you know we should go with tatis and uh, i mean i was kind of in full agreement uh and you know we're putting a lot of stock into the short very very short time he had last year before his injury but i mean you know he was fun to watch um i, I don't know what more you want to add there andrew yeah i mean
1: in 80 games or so, he was worth 4.2 wins above replacement. That projects to an 8-win above replacement season as a 20-year-old. Uh, I believe last I checked, he had a 152 OPS plus. And if you look at players that have a 150 OPS plus at age of 20, there's only 16 players in the history of baseball that have done that. Or uh, 16 players post uh, the uh, color barrier being broken by Jackie Robinson that have done that at their age 20 season. And all have gone on to have great careers. So I mean, yeah. Tatis looks like the real deal. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's
0: one of the uh, he's the one of the first Padres to be projected to have a 30-30 season this year. It's crazy to think that no Padre has ever had a 30-30 season. It doesn't seem like it's something that's like, you know, in 50 years you would think one person would have had it. We've had tons of well, not tons. I think we only had two 25-25 seasons.
1: Yeah, I think uh we'll Myers one. one. Yep. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of who the other one might have been. Maybe like Reggie Sanders, Sanders or something. Sandy Elmer? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll have to get that. We'll have to get that later. But, uh, so yeah, so we, we had a uh, – so Tatis looks like the real deal. Got to pick him. He's the future of the franchise, and that excitement that he's bringing in, as with this farm system that's coming up, that's going to bring in great things. He, he definitely represents a change in the organization towards winning ways.
0: Say it. He's part of the hot talent lava. Just say
1: yeah. it. Just, just, yeah. Hot talent. Lava. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I know you can't see me, but I, I can't even like, just keep the smile off my face. Just saying that it's just, it, it's hard to even like put the words up.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. Hot talent lava. All right. Let's go ahead and move to uh, somebody who was not part of the hot talent lava. Um, uh, Chase Hedley. Now, uh, I mean, is it fair to say that Chase Headley was probably the Padres position player of the decade? I oh, that's mean
1: so, Who else is there? He's gotta be probably like, the player of the decade for the Padres. That's,
0: yeah, that's fair. Like I'm not even I'm not talking, you know, even like wins above replacement, you know, if we're looking at hard war. I'm just talking about overall, was he the best Padre of the decade? You know? Yeah. I mean that season where he had thirty-one home runs
1: and finished in the top ten MVP voting, it was second, I, I think. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was crazy because it was just like thinking. Where back did that more, happen? Come from? Yeah, I mean, he never had a season like that again. But just to think about, I remember rooting for him to hit home runs every day, and just rooting for him to put up the numbers. And to to think, not to sound like a like a masochist or anything, but to think that I was rooting for someone that ended up putting up, you know, just an above average all-star caliber season. And that was like the, almost a highlight of the decade. up until this. Like, <laughs> yeah. Terrible. That just, it just really puts in the decade into perspective.
0: <laughs> I remember going to a game where he hit a walk-off. I believe it was a 2012, uh, that, that great year he had uh, against the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, I believe it was. So yeah, it was a walk-off. I want to say walk-off Grand Slam. Uh, I think they're only down like two at the time though. But uh, yeah, I remember that walk off, and uh, that was crazy. Yeah, I-, I was basically the same way you were, where it was like, you know, every time he came up to hit, it, he, you know, you were like on the edge of your seat. It kind of brought you back to like the late, uh, you know, bre- the I don't the late 2000s. Yeah. Uh, when Adrian Gonzalez who just came over, I don't know why he struggled so hard to think about that number. <laughs> um, it's late. <laughs> but, yeah, when Adrian Gonzalez uh, would come up to hit, and you would just kind of be like, oh, it, this is going to be a bomb. It has to be a bomb. You know, you were just so used to those home runs. Yeah, so, definitely. yeah, it was, it was a fun time. Definitely.
1: Yeah. And, you know, he only finished that season with a four ninety eight slugging, and that's arguably, you know, the best season of the decade for the Padres. So
0: also a yikes
1: yeah yikes i mean great season but yeah
0: <laughs> all right let's go ahead and move to um, the outfield so we had venable Maven, and upton uh, any particular order you want to attack those
1: no it's a it's a pretty sad group of guys <laughs> <laughs> i mean is supposed to i mean yeah there's defensive like your center field are supposed to be great defensively but this is supposed to be like you know the money of your lineup, the heavy hitters, and the Padres just didn't have any for the decade. So I, I guess let's start with the who had the best uh, you know sustained career with the Padres, which was surprisingly to me, was Will Venable, who finished second of all Padres and wins above replacement with 11.1 uh, first time with the Padres. He had a okay. 250 batting average, 315 on base, 720 OPS uh, was 3% better than league average. And that's your, uh, your best outfield outfielder of the decade for the Dodgers.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, that's basically all we need to say there. I mean, I, I like will Venable. Don't get me wrong. He, you know, he was, he, you know, he always gave effort. He, he was always out there, you know, you know, he, there was never, uh, you were never able to question that he wanted to be out there. Now, with that being said, let's talk about somebody who made it pretty obvious he didn't want to be here, Justin Upton.
1: Yeah, so he spent one year with the Padres, had probably the best outfield season of any Padre in a decade. He was oh, 4.3, yeah, yeah, 4.3 wins above replacement. Uh, he hit 251 with a 336 on base percentage, 454 slugging, 790 OPS, which, you know, sadly, I, I think that might be, you know, the, the best full season outfield production the ponders had for the full decade they Didn't have had, I don't think they had any full season maybe uh Seth Smith got close but yeah Justin Upton there you go and yeah you're right about not wanting to be here you can see yeah he, face.
0: He, you know he's it's not like he didn't try on the baseball field I mean he earned his paycheck I mean he he knew it was a uh was contract here so he had to obviously go out there and do his thing but yeah he always just kind of you know trotted out there he always kind of had a you know he wore it on his face you could tell he just was not thrilled about being here
1: no he he was uh already looking forward to his next contract and getting out of there
0: (laughs) oh yeah yeah i mean he went to detroit though so
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean he definitely went for the money there (laughs) yeah right no 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 offense to any detroit fans
0: yeah yeah i mean (laughs) they had a great run uh, let's go ahead and talk about somebody else who was a tiger. It's Cameron Mabin. Now, Cameron Mabin was another interesting guy. Uh, he was traded here and was meant to be, uh, the five tool guy, right? He was supposed to be the next big thing, the next big prospect. Um, uh, I forgot who was involved in that trade.
1: So, yeah, I don't remember who we got for Mabin. I know that he, his big thing was that he was traded in the Miguel Cabrera trade, right? To the Marlins. Believe so, yes. Yeah, and then we got him from the Marlins. I'm not sure who we got him from, uh, for the Marlins, but yeah, he was uh, his big, tick, you know, claim to fame at the time was being the failed prospect in the Miguel Cabrera trade. I don't think any of those guys turned out. So, and then we got him, and he he had a decent season with us, but overall his his stats with us as a center fielder, he had a two forty six average, hit had a three oh seven on base. Uh, A 358 slugging with a 665 OPS. He was 6.6 wins above replacement in center field, uh, which puts him slightly ahead of Manuel Margot for the most wins above replacement for the center fielders, for the Padres in the decade. Maven was a great defender. uh, Awesome guy, you know, potential goal glover every season just for his defense. Just couldn't really hit, couldn't put it together, never really reached up to that five-tool potential that the scouts loved in him. But as far as uh, players that had the peak, it was Maben. He had the, the best season as a center fielder for the Padres. And uh, since Margot never really took off and lived up to his hype, and Maben was already seen as a reclamation project from coming back from a top prospect, it seemed like a pretty good way to go with uh, Maben, who made more of his career with the Padres, where Margot has yet to really live up to his expectations as a Padre.
0: Yeah, who knows what's going to happen with Manny Margot. I mean, <laughs> he was hoping, right? Yeah,
1: but he's, uh, still, he's still only 24, so he's still... Yeah, yeah, he, really he
0: still definitely has more than enough time to, you know, hopefully blossom to something much better than, you know, that he's capable of. Uh, now, I just looked it up. Uh, the Marlins got Ryan Webb and Edward Mojica. And yeah, uh, Padres got Cameron Mabin.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And... Uh, I think uh I don't think Mojica did very well with the Marlins. I think Ryan Webb did pretty well. He's not. Uh Mujica. Yeah. <laughs> Mojica. I remember he he just allowed more home runs than anyone else I have ever seen.
0: It yeah, right.
1: was a straight <laughs> fastball. <laughs> yeah.
0: It was uh it was straight, didn't move. You know, I mean when you're a major league pitcher you gotta be able to have some movement in your pitches. Um, yeah, all right, so speaking of pitches, uh, let's just go ahead and quickly cover the uh, pitching staff because if not, we'll be here for another 14 hours. Uh, Matt Latos, Chris Paddock, Clayton Richard, Tyson Ross, and Ian Kennedy were our starting five pitchers. Which of those guys leads out to you the most? Has to be Matt Latos, right? Has to be.
1: Yeah, Matt Latos for his his overall stuff. I mean, he had the, he had the best, like, peripherals of any of the Padres in this group. Uh, he was worth uh, 5.2 wins above replacement. He pitched about 60 games. He had a 3.2 1 ERA. Uh, he averaged about 9 strikeouts per 9 innings. He only pitched about 380 innings. He, uh, you know, what was great about Latos is that he was able to when he, in that trade to the Reds. He brought us in uh, Grandal, and he brought us in um, name slipping my mind at first base. Uh, Yonder Alonso. Yeah, Yonder Alonso. And who was all, you know, once we brought him in, that's what allowed us to get rid of Rizzo, unfortunately. So, I mean, Letos had the most promise of all the pitchers for the Padres. And then a second name that kind of jumped out to me who had the most like value for the Padres of all the pitchers in the decade was uh, Tyson Ross, who, and this is going to put it in perspective how bad the Padres' starting staff was for the decade, had the most wins above replacement at 7.2 for the last 10 years. No Padres' starting pitcher had more career War with the Padres in seven point two.
0: Yikes! <laughs> I yeah. mean, I've said yikes so many times. It's just, uh, oh, people are going to be as depressed as we are.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's bad. I mean, you have if you have one good ace on your team, they'll they'll put that up in a single season. Yeah. and no Padre put up that through multiple strings. At, yeah, it's it's insane. It's bad.
0: Yeah, there were just really slim pickings uh, during these. Well, we had to list five starting pitchers, but uh, I mean, Andrew, go ahead and run us through those numbers real quick.
1: Yeah, so we definitely just had. We, I mean, we had to make a list of five. So to go with that, we'll start with Latos. Uh, like I said, 5.2 wins above replacement. He had a 3.21 ERA with his with the Padres. He pitched 62 games, 379 innings, 374 strikeouts. Uh, you know, great numbers for a short time. Number two is Paddock, who's going to go under the Tatis category as bringing excitement, uh, you know, ushering in the new decade of Padres. In his first year, he was 9-7 with a 3.3-year array, 26 starts, 140 innings, and 153 strikeouts. Uh, Third, we're going to go with Clayton Richard, who was only worth .4 wins in one placement with the Padres which shows you how sad this list is one more time, not to sound like a broken record. <laughs> the, but, I
0: think that one out of everyone puts it into perspective the most. Yeah. Point four? Yeah,
1: yeah, point four. 53 and 66, uh, 4-4 ERA. He made 166 starts with the Padres and pitched in 175 games. Had the most innings pitched of all Padres, what, 992, and averaged about 6.5 strikeouts per nine innings. All that's
0: a uh, point four worth.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, he was a below-average pitcher, but he was the anchor of the rotation and just being a workhorse and getting those innings in for a number of years. And then uh, number four is Tyson Ross, who was having injury troubles with the Padres, but arguably had as much potential as Matt Latos or even Chris Paddock. Uh, He had a 3.4 ERA with the Padres, made 122, uh, pitched 122 starts, uh, 645 innings, 638 strikeouts, You know, great potential run-down by uh, injuries. Then, last but not least, is Ian Kennedy, who uh, made 73 starts with the Padres with a 3.970 ERA and 426 innings pitched. He had 436 strikeouts. You know, was a solid pitcher, but still below average and wins above average for his career with the Padres. That I mean, just a sad starting five, to be honest. I mean, Chris Paddock could change that, and then we have a bunch of young pitchers coming up, like Mackenzie Gore, who's gonna look looks like it's gonna make the next decade really good. So let's just move the 2010s into the past.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's in all fairness, I don't really think there's any way that this new decade's gonna have a worse starting uh, five. I mean, there there can't be a worse starting rotation during this decade. I, it's is it even possible? No,
1: I don't I don't think it is possible. I don't I, I hope and, not. <laughs> it's almost like the Padres went out to find the worst starting pitchers they could. Like, let's be honest.
0: Hey, but I mean that's one of the hardest parts about being a general manager. You know, just sometimes you just have to be able to pick out of a garbage can and hope the player is gonna turn out well. I mean, Kirby Yates was cut by the Angels and Kirby H was picked up in the waiver wire by the Angels from another team. So I mean AJ Perl obviously picked out of the garbage can, and look what he pulled out. pulled out a diamond.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh, so let's hope that there's more diamonds coming out. And I, I think <laughs> you, you, we're saving the relief pitchers for last right here, and it's definitely the strongest group of any of the, the positions for the Padres. The relief pitching yeah, is
0: – Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, during your time as a Padres fan, I feel like more often than not, we can sit here and be like, you know – at least we've always had decent pitching. I mean, sure, you know, that starting rotation wasn't very good. But if you think about the decade before that, the starting rotation was much better. And, I mean, our bullpen has just about been good for years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can go back to the
1: past with uh, Kevin Towers, who's made his name at picking really pitchers, and that trend never really stopped. And even now, the Padres are projected to having one, one of the best bullpens uh, going into the next season. So it's, it's a really good group. And, uh, you know, without further ado... Let's get into the list. So, we're gonna start off. We have Heath Bell, Luke Gregerson, and Kirby Yates. So, for Heath Bell, which, you know he pitched two years with the Padres. Uh, so, and for his two seasons, he had a two one well two years in the, the decade. And those two years in the decade, he had a 2 two one seven ERA. He had ninety saves, one hundred thirty two innings with one hundred thirty seven strikeouts, and he put up. Let me get this up real quick. He had uh he was worth two point nine wins of replacement, which for a relief pitcher because they only pitch in so many innings is a really good stat. And then uh, moving on to Luke Gregerson, who was the best setup man of the Padres for the decade. Now before we, we made this list, we kinda had a back and forth about whether or not we should put in Brad Hand and you know, Fernando was able to show me that Luke Gregerson, if you really put it in perspective, was a much better relief pitcher for the Padres than Brad Hand. And let's uh, you know, let's go into his stats. He pitched in 291 games for the Padres, uh, worth 3.2 wins above replacement. He had a 2.78 ERA. He had 272 innings with 259 strikeouts, and really set the tone as the Padres setup man for a number of years. You know, great pickup. He was uh, we got him for um, Khalil Green and turned out to be one of the best setup men in Padres histories. And then last but not least, and the most dominant pitcher for the Padres in the decade was Kirby Yates, who uh, in his two and a half years with the Padres so far has put up 5.2 wins above replacement as a relief pitcher, with a 2.31 ERA in 179 innings. He has 278 strikeouts. That's insane. With last year having over 14 strikeouts per nine innings.
0: Yeah, I mean the bullpen has definitely been the strong point. Um, all three of those guys were absolutely great. I mean Luke Gregerson had a little uh, sip of coffee as a closer as well, correct? I mean all three of those guys were all closers for some period of time.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Luke Gregerson put up 15 saves for the Padres, which you know definitely shows that he was a, he was the closer for a short period of time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean Heath Bell. Second-best Padres closer uh, in history at this point. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the most dominant uh, set ar- uh, setup arms, as you said, uh, in probably our team's history uh, for his respective uh, tenure with the team. And then uh, Kirby Yates last season was just dominant. That was a Trevor Hoffman-like season for a closer. You know what I mean? That's That was incredible, you know? Are those numbers sustainable? I mean, I guess we're going to find out, and I sure hope they are. And, I mean, all Padres fans sure hope they are because, I mean, that was unreal.
1: Yeah, definitely fingers crossed. That, I mean, I'll go on to even say that Kirby Yates last year might have had, uh, you know, the most dominant season as a Padres relief pitcher. He had a one 9 ERA. He had 15 strikeouts per nine innings, a 7.7 strikeouts to walk ratio. He was worth uh, about three wins above replacement, which in 60 innings is insane. If you put that up to like a 200-inning year for a starting pitcher, that would be a 10-win above replacement season, just if you go for that rate.
0: But it's I mean, in all fairness, he didn't come out to health bells, so I mean, that's kind of what the downfall there was.
1: Yeah, definitely not. I mean, how, how do you live up to Trevor Hoffman? He can't.
0: Oh, yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, now what question I want to ask you before we start wrapping this up out of all the players that we've named if you can take one of those guys and plop them into today's Padres team who would help our current Padres the most and I guess by current I'm talking about you know 2019 because yeah. I don't know how the 2020 team's gonna look but you know So, you know, let's just pretend this is still 2019. We're in the season. If you can plop one of those guys, put him in, who would it be, why, and yeah.
1: All right. So since Tatis and Chris Paddock are currently on the team along with Yates, and because I think out of – since the Padres have a pretty good bullpen, and I'm going to go with uh, Adrian Gonzalez for sure. If we had a peak Adrian Gonzalez at first base instead of Eric Hosmer, that would be like the biggest swing in value that I could think of.
0: Eric Cosmer just unsubscribed to this podcast.
1: Yeah. You know, <laughs> he, sh- he should unsubscribe from first base for the Padres. How about that?
0: <laughs> Leave too much money on the table.
1: Oh, that's just dead money at this point. He was worth point three wins of one placement, I think, for the Padres last year.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Now, I'm going to surprise you. Well, Maybe not surprise you with my pick. I mean, it's, it's everyone's going to be like, dude, that's not surprising at all. It's not even a hot take. Matt Latos. Matt Latos. I mean. The Padres needed, like, reliable starting pitching last year. and Don't get me wrong, you know, they certainly had starting pitchers come and dominate, but they haven't. You know, Chris Paddock, maybe it's because of his age, just isn't a true ace just yet. Will he? Absolutely. You know, do the Padres have true aces that are coming? You know, Mackenzie Gore is going to fight for that title. Absolutely. But I, I think that a guy like Matt Latos would have helped last year specifically.
1: Yeah, you know, that's a great pick. And I, I was thinking about starting pitching because the Padres don't really have that clear defined ace yet. And like yeah, you're yeah. saying, yeah, We will. Up. We absolutely will. But, but you know, we you gotta give it time. You're, you're right. When Matt when Matt Letos was on, he was dominant. He had one of the closest games to a no hitter for the Padres. Uh what did he go like eight and a third innings against the Giants, like uh, back in like 2010, 2011.
0: Yeah, I think it was about the same as uh, Chris Young did. Yeah, yeah. Chris Young did yeah. him losing that game, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, and Matt Latos turned out to, you know, kind of have like an unstable personality that didn't really mesh well with the major leagues, unfortunately.
0: He's a bad hombre. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Probably won't be on his podcast.
0: <laughs> Maybe.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll just won't tell him to watch this episode. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah if you can avoid episode uh, was a it 12 be great yeah <laughs> that would
1: be, that'd be
0: awesome he'd be like why be like, what <laughs> was the last time you went on fast food restaurant order number 12 he'd be like wow you're right <laughs> like, like, <laughs> there you go there you go all right well i think that's just something i gonna do it on of bus. i mean it's the longest episode we've had by far so thank you guys for bearing with us um uh, hopefully you guys uh enjoyed this topic uh you know, it was a much different episode. Uh, we'll see what we have in store for next week. Uh, we will start getting back to our Monday schedule starting now, just as Andrew said at the beginning of our episode. Uh, now, one last time, the email to contact us is PadresMissionPodcast at gmail.com. That's the best way to leave us feedback. Let us know what you guys want us to cover in future episodes. Maybe if you have a future guest you would like us to try to get on the show, let us know all that, and we'll do our very best. Uh, we are definitely here for you guys, so please let us know what you want out of us or how we can make this show better. Now, sponsors. We are still looking for sponsors. Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you, guys, in advance for that. Now, by the time this episode comes out, Padres Fan Fest would have already been in the review. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday night, but uh, two nights from now we'll have uh, Fan Fest. So hopefully by then, future Fernando would have uh, hopefully caught up with a couple Padres <laughs> and a couple of interviews. So uh, if future Fernando didn't catch up with any San Diego Padres, trust me, just know I tried. But uh, we'll see how all that plays out. Hopefully you guys will be listening to some Padres uh, stopping by uh, for a future episode uh andrew is there anything you want to close out this episode and say to our fans
1: yeah just uh you know thank you for listening and uh i feel your pain when you when you hear this top team of the decade like if it was as rough to listen to just how bad the podgers were this last decade just imagine how it was to actually go through the numbers and come to that realization yourself
0: oh absolutely i mean there's a hundred percent at least half of the audience who the second they heard we were going to talk about the Padres All Decade team, they're like, oh, "All right, well, I guess I'm going to listen to the other podcast."
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're right. This
0: I'll listen. You know top. what? I'm going to listen to that Matt Antonelli interview again. That was <laughs> yeah. that was probably better.
1: Yeah, let's get some positivity in here. <laughs> yeah,
0: remember, I'm going to listen to Matt Antonelli interview. He probably made the All Decade team anyway. It was that bad? <laughs> no offense to Matt Antonelli. You know, I'm just saying he was on the he was only on the Padres for like a month, so no, yeah. certainly no disrespect to him.
1: <laughs> yeah definitely not thank you so much for coming on the show matt
0: yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right folks well uh thank you guys so much for tuning in to our show we truly appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to listen uh we hope you guys enjoy your new year and we hope that you guys who made it out to padres fan fest had an amazing time had a good time with your family got some autographs and most importantly got the padres brown Take that Ron Fowler. This is <laughs> Mendez. And this is Andrew Chicarelli. Sign it out. Go Padre's.